Busy as a global co-working and conference community, we've had our fingers on the pulse of co-working since 2012, and we've connected thousands of operators, both in person and online. On the Juicy Podcast, we talk with the people making it happen day in and day out. Let's get to it. Okay, everybody, welcome back to the Juicy Podcast. I have Paz Pazowski with me. Isn't that the greatest name ever? No wonder she's got a recording business as well as being a co-working and community manager. So please welcome to the Juicy Podcast, Paz, who is the co-founder of the Community Collective. That's just one of many jobs I found out. So Paz, welcome. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Liz. It's such an honor to be here. Oh, we love having you. And thank you so much for speaking at Juicy Australia. I'm so sad I couldn't be there, but I heard great things. Oh, yeah. With Brad and Cliff from Mm -hmm. Hub and the Commons. That was such an Mm -hmm. awesome conversation. And yeah, we all got along so well and had such different perspectives. It was a really good conversation. I love it. I love it. Well, if you've listened to any of my podcasts, I always start out the same way. And that is to ask you how you are, not your business. I want to know how you are as a human. Mm, I love this question. I'm feeling fabulous. I recently moved house and I actually love moving house because you get to declutter, mm-hmm. cleanse, redecorate. So good. Space. So I'm feeling really aligned in that as well because after three weeks of not really having a house, so kind of got mm-hmm. rid of the last one and then there was time in between. So I've just been in between houses. So it's really nice to feel grounded. And I just got off a workshop call just before this with our members in our community cohort program. And we just redesigned the new offerings for alumni to stay on post-program. And yeah, there was such a good energy in the room. So I'm feeling really inspired. Mm -hmm. What about that award you just got? Oh, yes. Congratulations. Thank you so much. It was such a beautiful night. Yeah, wow. I was for Pause Awards, which is an Australian awards ceremony that happened this week. And I took home the Ecosystem Star Award, very sparkly, which was for someone who is endlessly working to support their community and business in the Australian Mm -hmm. startup space. So yeah, well, I'm absolutely chuffed. It was, yeah, it was a big surprise. Well, well-deserved, well-deserved. Okay, so now that we've covered how you are personally, how's your business? Business is booming. I had no idea what to expect when registering the Community Collective as a company a year and a half ago, and it was never my intention to be a founder. I feel like we accidentally started a high-growth business that has built into a community movement, and I... And blown away every day. Um, business is good. We've been testing different offerings. The feedback is phenomenal. And for people who don't really understand what the community collective is, we help businesses and communities build impactful communities. So we run an eight-week training program that trains community managers to be, I guess, really powerful and aligned in their role. They understand how to build a community strategy. They establish efficient operations. They're great in public speaking and are well-connected with other community managers in this space so they can rely Mm -hmm. on each other. And 
yeah, the program has just been growing and growing. We have 450 people on a wait list to hear about the next one. And so I um, love just it. hired our third team member and I'm just feeling energized as ever. I love it. Well, tell us a little bit more about that or- origin story because you guys started in the pandemic and you just took off. And we saw a lot of community, online communities do that, but generally they kind of petered out and you just continued to soar. So I'd love to to hear that story a little bit more in depth. Yeah, definitely. So the Community Collective began as a meetup group. So for context, for the past six years, I've found myself at the intersection of helping people build startups and building engaged communities. So I've been a community manager in the Australian startup space based in Melbourne, basically helping founders build incredible businesses by establishing a really strong and supportive network around them. So I was Mm -hmm. working at RMIT University, helping students, staff and alumni build businesses. And so we ran a co-working space for three years. I ran accelerator programs there and I've joined not-for-profits supporting asylum seeker women to build their own business. And then also joined um, Startup Victoria, which is now called the Startup Network, which is one of Australia's largest startup communities. So I was there helping founders with online memberships and all the way through from people who had an idea to some of the biggest scale-ups of the country. So you can see my where I've come from of really this niche community building in the startup space for co-working and accelerators and VCs and incubators. And so what we noticed was during the pandemic, yes, many founders and businesses were struggling, especially in Melbourne. We were one of the most locked down cities in the world. We did over yeah. 400 consecutive days of stage four lockdown, you know, 5 p.m. curfew, five oh, kilometer radius, so sit on a park bench when you went for a walk. It was awful. And I was in the thick of Melbourne in 2020. And yeah, my housemates left. I was working full-time from home, trying to manage a community online. And it was really hard for for many people, you know, many people Mm -hmm. struggled. But what we realized in Melbourne that yes, so many businesses were having a tough time, which then as a result, they started to lean on the support as you do. So they were leaning on community managers at the time, say more than usual, but then the community managers we felt like we didn't really have people to lean on. We were like, oh, where's, where's the support totally. for us? It's like, mm-hmm. where's the counsellor for the counsellors, the teachers for mm-hmm. the teachers, the leaders for the leaders? So we wanted to be the support network for the community builders in the startup space. And so I personally asked my network to introduce me to as many community managers as possible and got on the phones of about 50 people asking them, what are your challenges? What are your goals? What are you struggling with? Where do you go to for support and what do you need? from us and it was clear that we were all in the same boat and so myself and my two co-founders Melia Reyna from Blackbird Ventures and Jala Alex from Monash University at the time but now Mm -hmm. at Friday and we decided to run a meetup group and help people so in between the fourth and fifth Melbourne lockdowns in June 2021 in the commons in Cremorne and we had 17 people for wine and sushi and we it was like this ecstatic energy when you hadn't seen anyone for so long came together and we're sharing stories and supporting each other there were tears and laughter and after that night it went viral an Airtable registration link that just got shared through word of mouth to hundreds of community builders in the startup space and myself Melia and Jala were like whoa 
So we started moving <laughs> these meetups online. You know, we had a Zoom account borrowed from, you know, another company. And, you know, we had about 50, 60, 70 community builders on calls each month talking about our challenges. Mm. And, you know, what happened in that first year is we became a free meetup community. So we were all, myself, Melia and Jala were working full time at the time and we would do these meetups once a month on the side. But, you know, we got to June 2022 and it was evident that this was a need. Like we'd struck a chord with such a niche audience and, you know, they wanted more than just a meetup once a month. So I spoke to Melia and Jala and we decided that, yeah, I was going to quit my job and I and we registered it as a PTY LTD company. In July 2022, my accountant loves me for that clean financial <laughs> year start. And Melia and Jala decided to step out of operations and step up as the first advisors and joined our advisory board. So I was mm. full-time and they were our advisors and we decided to interview the you know about 400 community builders that we had at the time and again we went back through that experimental exploration process and we asked them what are your challenges what are your goals what do you need and then we co-designed a program so we launched our first community cohort eight-week program that connects and supports community builders to level up and build an actionable community strategy for their business and we had 37 people go through the first program we have 52 through the second. We just wrapped up the third about a month ago and we had 63. And the stats have been through the roof. And as I said, we've got 450 on the wait list to hear about the next Amazing. program. And people have been coming back. We've had people do the program three times now and we've had to build an wow. alumni um, offering off the back of the program because technically you go through the eight program, then your access ends after the three months. And no one has wanted to leave. So we've <laughs> so we've had Great people problem. rejoin programs. Yeah, it's like you read a book a second time, you pick up different things. So we're building a program ship, not a membership. And yeah, people, yeah, we've only had five people graduate from 119 people and, and wow. they're just staying on. And it is wild. You know, I, I just am blown away. And so we help people upskill and really understand community management. Which is so, so needed. You know, one of the things I've been saying like over and over for the past probably 12 years at Juicy is like you can't buy community, you have to build it. But the other thing that we see a lot in, you know, the co-working world globally is just like how hard it is to be a community manager and that, you know, there's really high burnout rates, there's really high turnover. It's a really hard role. And I'm curious, what percentage of the folks in your um, community of communities are co-working folks and what percentage? Because I, I feel like it looks like you've got a lot of people from a lot of different businesses, not just co-working. Exactly. So we started really niche with specifically the startup space and now we've brought in industry. We're also across 12 countries. So in terms of our entire community, so we have over um, 600 members in our entire community, which is about 500 in our free meetup community, which still runs today, and then 119 in the cohorts. So throughout that whole 600, the number one in well, type of business are actually startups 
So it's founders who are joining us to learn how to build a community-led business from scratch. The second is the startup support organizations. So the accelerators, the VCs, the incubators, the people Mm -hmm. who are building startup communities, which is naturally where we started. Then the third type are universities. So universities, yeah, universities who are building innovation departments, entrepreneurship departments, and they want to help their students, staff and alumni build communities. And then the fourth are VCs and then the fifth are co-working. Wow. And then it goes large tech companies. So we've helped like MYOB build a community for accountants. We've helped, oh, what's the... I blanked on the name. They were a sponsor at Juicy. They are the automatic door unlocking system, Salto system. Oh, Salto. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Salto system. So they went through our first program, their community manager. So yeah, we'll help them think about community. And then the other types are not-for-profits as well. Wow. So interesting. So interesting. I love it. And I just love the momentum you guys have. It's incredible. So one of the things I read on your LinkedIn that I was so curious about, and you don't have to tell us all your secret sauce, but I saw that you were working in a co-working space and you helped them automate 80% of their internal business processes, saving them nine hours like a month or something or a week, I don't remember. But then I was like, that's before chat GPT. How did you do that? Yeah, yeah. So... Something that I love, I love operations. I love building processes. Mm -hmm. If I built a process, I'll document it so then I can repeat it and think and not think, oh, what did I do the first time? Instead, I'm thinking, great, how can I improve it for the next time? Mm -hmm. So in terms of, yes, so I joined uh, Happy Spaces. Which um, I love that name. Oh, such a great name. I'm actually tuning in from Happy Spaces right now. It's a beautiful co-working space in Torquay, regional Victoria, where I live in Australia. It's a small surf town. Mm. Um, Happy Spaces are phenomenal in what they do. And so they build close to home co-working. So they're always about 50 kilometers outside of a major city. And so people mm-hmm. can walk and commute um, very easily. And so I joined uh, their team for about, yeah, it was about three to five months. I came in to help them basically establish a community strategy mm-hmm. and establish an events rhythm. And then by doing that process, I realized they were spending about nine hours a month on these manual admin tasks that could be completely automated and eliminated. So the process that I go through to review business processes is something that I learned from Fiona Kalaki. She is the founder of My Daily Business and mm. she has this automate, eliminate, delegate filter And then I have added an extra layer to that. And so how we did this at the co-working space is we came in and we documented all of the existing processes that the community manager was doing. So I said, great, write down exactly the different projects. You do events, you do onboarding, Mm -hmm. you do inductions, you do office management, and then write down at like, you know, a high level exactly what you do and you're responsible for. Mm -hmm. And then tell me how much time it takes. And there were just, you know, there was like hours and hours on certain areas. And then we look at that and then we apply the automate, delegate, eliminate, keep, filter. So what that is, you go through your task list and you go, okay, what can be eliminated here? Mm-hmm. Okay, perhaps, you know, painting the walls a different color every month is a nice to have. The business can run without it. So let's eliminate that. 
Mm. That wasn't happening at Happy Spaces, but I'm just giving you examples. Um, <laughs> I know, I was like, number two. wow. Yeah, <laughs> oh, wow. No, I'm just giving you general examples. And so, you know, is that something that could be eliminated? The thing that could be delegated, you go, okay, great. You know, obviously we need to order milk for the office space every Monday, but perhaps that could be delegated to someone else. Okay, great. There's actually an operations assistant you know, in in our team or perhaps the supplier can actually just set up a system that, you know, they Mm -hmm. manage that. Mm -hmm. So you go, great, let's delegate that and take that off your plate. And then the third filter is automate. So we look at tasks that go, how to decide whether you should automate something. You ask yourself, have I repeated this more than five times in a week or in a month? And if Mm -hmm. you have, find a way to automate it. So we, Mm -hmm. for example... In my community, I sent a birthday email to every single member of our community in our cohort to wish them happy birthday. I did it about, you know, we had 37 people, so I was doing it 37 times a year and that was fine. Now we have 119. Like that's a, that's a lot of yeah, yeah. emails. So, but it's a really important thing. I want to wish every single member a happy birthday. Mm-hmm. And so I looked at Zapier and I automated it and it took me 10 minutes to set up and now mm-hmm. every single member gets a happy birthday on their birthday including me which is funny <laughs> yeah, I was like oh thanks Taz oh <laughs> so you know you look at the things and then you obviously have a keep bucket it's like what are the things mm-hmm. that only you can do great that's what you keep so through that process we eliminated nine hours Juicy is headed to Salt Lake City. Join us in Utah on April 9th through 11th for Juicy North America. We'll have a three-day program where the mountains meet the city and co-working is just around the corner. We invite you to join our community for a real-time co-working and hospitality experience, Juicy style. In addition to the conference, we'll have a mix of work and play activations for you and your team to take advantage of. Whether you're up for outdoor thrills, exploring the art scene, or digging into local cuisine, we've got you covered. We chose Salt Lake because it's such a cool place with warm vibe, and we're ready to welcome you. For more information about Juicy North America, head to na.gcuc.co. Speakers and more to come. See you soon. Wow. That's amazing. Thanks for sharing that. That's really a great process. I'm sure a lot of people are frantically writing things down and backtracking the recording right now, getting all that down. That was amazing. I can share with you an article I wrote with that exact process or oh, the questions. Please. Yeah. And you can yeah, put it in the show yeah. notes if you like. Well, and I loved you also did an article one time before you left the country. You were going to leave for a while and you're like, I need to leave to go on a trip. And here's all the things I did in preparation for the tip trip. And I shared that within the Juicy community because I'm like, this is so great. You guys should read this. Um, so I love that you document these things and share them. It's so nice of you. And I was so bummed that you cannot play guitar at Juicy Australia because y'all, Paz is an amazing guitarist. And what is the kind that you do? I play classical Suzuki guitar. Suzuki, yes. And everyone needs to go to PazSounds.com and check it out. And also you can go on Spotify and follow her, which I did today. And then Paz Sounds is for meditation, correct? Correct. And then I also saw that you were advocating for mental health, which is something we've been doing at Juicy for a really long time. I was like, alignment, alignment, alignment. And I'm always like, I am no meditation guru, but I also know 
that when I do meditate, I'm better. And like in every way, I'm better. And it's mm. just such a great practice. And so I was just curious how you got into meditation and who started you playing your guitar? Four years old, was it? Yes. Yeah. I started playing guitar when I was four years old with my brother. And mm. he was two years older than me. And my mom wanted us to learn an instrument. So we both picked guitar, but we have, yeah, we have no family musical history, really. And we found what well, my mom said. I was four years old. I didn't find anything, but my mom found a local Suzuki guitar teacher. So mm. Suzuki is a Japanese style of learning an instrument where it is predominantly based on your hearing. So instead of learning a song by reading notation, you would listen to it a hundred times, you'd pick up the instrument and then you'd play it by ear because you know what Ooh. it sounds like. You still learn how to write music. I mean, well, mm -hmm. sorry, you still learn how to read music. And But Suzuki is beautiful. It's this, this stunning instrumental community. There's no exams. There's no like, you failed. It's a beautiful <laughs> encouragement. You go through nine levels and you learn these songs. Every two years, we'd go to different countries and we'd go to Japan, America. We played in Italy and Spain and we'd catch up with Suzuki guitarists all over the world and we'd play for a week together. And so, you know, guitar has been such a backbone in my entire, I've played for 20 years. I trained for 20 years as a Suzuki guitarist and I've, I've played for wow. many, many more. And so, you know, guitar has been such a creative outlet for me. But when I lived in Spain for a year and learned flamenco guitar, I, le I lived in Madrid and studied flamenco guitar and I started writing relaxation music. I was actually really hungover one bit <laughs> morning. I felt awful. And I ended up writing this song that made me feel better. I was like, wait, music has the power to make us feel better. It can increase concentration. It can reduce pain. It can put people to sleep. Like, it is so powerful. And so I started writing relaxation music. And then I became a music therapist at the Royal Melbourne Hospital in Melbourne. And so every year I raise funds for their music therapy department. We would go play guitar for the patients and staff. But of course, that got shut down during the pandemic. So we just raised mm. money for them to contribute directly to the hospital. And so, yeah, all of my music really is designed to increase concentration and transport listeners to a deep place of relaxation. Mm -hmm. I actually worked to it with it in my background for a long Love time. That. And it was absolutely beautiful. I can't believe you can create that. That's amazing. And I bet a bunch of listeners are like getting their kids into Suzuki guitar now. I love that story yes. so much. Yes. I just um, encourage someone here to put their four-year-old through Suzuki. Yeah. It sounds really cool. I've, I've never really understood it before and it mm. sounds amazing maybe I need mm. to do it too well what it also taught me was how to achieve goals you know if you've read the book Atomic Habits by James Clear mm -hmm. that literally is the Suzuki method and I learned mm -hmm. that when I was four so I read James Clear's Atomic Habits I was like oh yeah this is like the Suzuki method mm -hmm. you have a big goal you break it down and then you do daily habits like we would wake up at 6 a.m every morning play mm -hmm. guitar for an hour every day for mm -hmm. 20 years you know mm -hmm. and I've injured my finger at oh, the moment no, I and I can't play guitar pain. at the moment yo her pinky <laughs> is so all bandaged up <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's all good well the good news is you've recorded it so you can just play it for yourself because you deserve exactly. to hear it too 
Exactly. Except when I listen to it, I go, oh, I could have played that in B minor. I'm like, oh, I <laughs> so I analyze it too much. I love it. I love it. Okay. So I'm sorry I had to digress, but back to the community collective. So do you think that every business should be in the business of building community? Oh, it's a loaded question because no, I don't think that every business should build a community for their customers. Mm -hmm. But yes, every business should build a community around the founder and the team. So Mm -hmm. what I mean by that is there's a very big difference between an audience and a community for a business. Every Mm. business should have an audience. Not every business needs a community for their customers. So the difference between an audience and a community, an audience is a one-way channel. It is a one-to-many communication style. It is a newsletter. It's your social media following. It's your website traffic. It's the people who listen to your podcast. Like they are an audience and which is amazing. They are your supporters. They love the brand. They keep up with your content. They might buy something for you or recommend other people, but there is no way for your audience to interact with each other. So for example, like newsletter subscribers, they read my newsletter, but they can't inter- inter- interact mm-hmm. with each other. So my music business has an audience. It does not have a community because there's no way for my listeners to interact with one another. The reason why a business should build a community and turn their audience into a community is if the stars align between the demand from the audience, there's a gap in the market. So perhaps this type of community doesn't exist. The business has the resources, the funds, the talent, the team to actually manage the community. Mm -hmm. And the business goals of what the business is trying to achieve aligns with what the potential members of this community is trying to achieve. So for example, the community collective has a community and oh, actually, let's use a uh, let's use a co-working space example. So, for mm-hmm. example, a co-working space. I think every co-working space should invest in building a community because it is ripe for community. Mm-hmm. And co-working spaces are like one of my favorite places to build community because you have X amount of members in a physical location, mm-hmm. all there for a particular purpose, which is to work on their business or their job. And so when an audience becomes a community, it's a two-way communication style. It is a many-to-many experience. There are ways for each member to interact and support one another. Like a community Mm -hmm. is a group of people who share a similar purpose and want to support each other on an ongoing basis. Mm -hmm. So say you have an e-commerce brand, you know, do your customers need to connect with each other or do they just want to buy you know templates from you online if there's no demand no need to build a community but every founder should have a community around themselves to continue that support and yeah for sure like that is paramount well because one of the hardest things to do is to be a founder right like whenever I talk to people about entrepreneurship and they're thinking about becoming an entrepreneur, I was like, okay, well, the number one thing you have to do is get really comfortable with the fact that you're always going to be uncomfortable. Exactly. Because it's hard. It's really hard. And a lot of times it is very lonely. And I think it's incredibly important, especially 
with the loneliness epidemic and the mental health crisis, like don't try to do this in a vacuum. It will tear you up. Yeah. And, you know, it's also really hard being a community manager because mm-hmm. not everyone understands our role. Not everyone mm-hmm. gets community. It's kind of, you know, I think the community industry right now is where project management was 10 years ago. It's where marketing management mm-hmm. was 30 years ago. Like there's not many tools and templates and standardized mm-hmm. learning opportunities in university degrees on it. And so, you know, even co- community managers in co-working space can be really difficult because we get pulled in so many different directions where mm-hmm. the office manager, the vibe creator, the events coordinator, the partnerships manager, the finance team, like, and somehow community is also expected in our role where we're meant to build and engage and connect people mm-hmm. in a meaningful way. Like, Community is not about return on investment and just sales. It should actually have those results. But community is about positively impacting the lives of our members and delivering mm-hmm. value. It's the transformational stories that we hear as a result of our community. And when you get that right, there will be the, the incredible benefits for the business like sales, retention, referrals, advocates. That will come because you've changed lives. Mm-hmm. Wow, that is going to be the soundbite I use. Like that is so good, Paz. You are so articulate. It's amazing how articulate you are. Okay, so this one's I want to be short and sweet because I want to get to my last question. So real quick, what do community managers very consistently get wrong and what do they very consistently get right? Community builders consistently... I think, you know, the biggest challenge that I see is the the lack of understanding how to build a strategy mm. and clearly articulate the metrics that you would like to measure to understand if the community is working. Ooh. So the biggest pitfall is not having your clearly articulated goals and then the three metrics that ladder up to that exact goal to understand if mm-hmm. you're on the right track. Because one, community builders get pulled in all different directions. Like that is a challenge, but that is as a result of not having a clear strategy. So having a clear strategy means that you identify your one North Star metric for the community that you would like to achieve. And that North Star metric should be measurable, achievable, attainable, and in a dedicated timeframe. And it should be positively impacting the members of that community and delivering a really great return to the business. So, for example, at the Community Collective, our one North Star metric in 2023 was to have 100 people through our community cohort program who graduate. Mm -hmm. So they go through the whole experience. That positively impacts our members because them going through this experience, learning, strategy, you know, the skills is great for them. Um, But also it is hitting our revenue milestones for the community collective because we've got 100 people through our program, then we've hit our revenue milestones to not just break even, but also to bring profit. Mm -hmm. So that Mm -hmm. one, if I just focus on that all year round, business, the impact, the customers will be great. So that is one element of a community strategy. And then the next key thing is to have the three core goals, which is usually engagement, growth, and revenue in community and then to have the three metrics because it's really hard to quantify. And I know you said a quick answer, but I, was, I wanted to explain <laughs> that. So, 
You know, I I've spent the you. last two I years. I forgive you, Pav. Yeah. <laughs> I've spent the last two years building a community strategy template mm-hmm. because, you know, a marketing manager has a marketing strategy template. You know, a business owner has a business mm-hmm. plan template. Community manager, like, where's our easy-to-use template? Yeah, so I yeah, built one. Yeah, awesome. You know, it's in a Google Doc. It's it's this living and breathing document that we've built with, you know, over 100 community builders to understand how do you stay focused and achieve and then quantify exactly your impact. So that is the biggest challenge, not having a strategy. And the biggest, what was the next question? The biggest thing they get right. What do right. they get right? Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, community builders... We're a particular type of person. We're not just extroverts, we're introverts as well. But mm-hmm. we understand the importance of human connection. So we get that right. You know, we are the advocates in the business. We're like, mm-hmm. no, but how are all these partnerships with other businesses going to actually mm-hmm. support our members if we're just selling to them all the time? You know, how is this new office actually going to create a great vibe in the co-working space if their meeting rooms are all gone and we just sell out mm-hmm. on private office space? Like how is that actually going to impact people? So we put the priorities on humans uh, in the right place. Yeah, I totally, totally agree. Okay, last question. What question should I have asked you that I didn't? Yeah, I love this. I think the question that we should have asked should have been, how do you stay energized mm-hmm. as a founder and a community builder? I love that. And what and what does success look like in a community and a business? And if I was chatting to 12-year-old Paz, I would say you can have everything that you want in your life, just not all at once. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Okay, but now you have to answer the question that I didn't ask. Yeah. You asked that was really good. <laughs> okay. It's very tricky of uh, me, I know. Yeah, that's good. It's good. So how do I stay energized? In 2019, I was dealing with really bad psoriasis. It's like really dry skin on your scalp. And it was just hectically flaring up. I've had it since I was 15, gone to doctors and I have a steroid cream, you know, all that jazz. And a naturopath prescribed me Vedic meditation, which is an Eastern Indian technique Mm. for learning meditation. And I changed my life. It cured my psoriasis. It's stress-related. And I I think it's as a result of starting a business. The day I started meditating, I can pinpoint all the life events that have happened. Mm. I feel like I was reincarnated in my life. Because I then I quit my job. I moved to a I moved out of Melbourne to a small beach town. I fell in love. I met my boyfriend. I started the community collective with my co-founders. Wow. You know, and all and I feel energized. I, I don't drink alcohol. I don't drink coffee. You know, and so I think as a result of learning to meditate, all of these things in my life have happened as a domino effect. And I meditate twice a day, every day for 20 minutes at a time. Sometimes I'll miss a day. You know, I'm not perfect. And it was the best thing I ever learned. And that's how I stay energized and focused as well. So Vedic meditation. And then what does a successful community look like? A successful community is one that positively impacts the lives of the members and actually creates lasting outcomes 
for the business. So both the members in the business are better off. Yeah. Well, Paz, I have gone over because I just am so loving everything you're saying. You are so smart. You're so articulate. You're doing such good things in the world. And I literally can't watch, wait to watch and see what you do next because you are an exciting human and you are going to do some serious change in this world. And I freaking love that. So thank you so much for joining us. I feel like we just got a masterclass on community. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Liz. And yeah, community is the new currency for business. It's a transformational movement. It is coming in fast and quick. It's, It's not a new phenomenon. It's been around for decades and centuries, but it is definitely the future of business and co-working. 100%. Take care, y'all, and we'll see you on the next Juicy Podcast. Bye.